Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be at two places today. We're going to be again in the Gospel of Matthew as we've been all Advent season, as we're looking through the wonder of wonders. Uh, we're looking into Jesus' genealogy. Specifically, what we're looking at is the wonder of wonders that in that genealogy, uh, Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's going to include five women. And that's very unusual for the time. They didn't usually make their way into genealogy. So the question you want to stop and pause with Scripture is, huh, why is this here? Why, why are these women listed? And so if you've been journeying with us and seeing your face, many of you have, uh, you know that they're incredible stories. And maybe more overarching than anything, that Jesus came to rescue sinners like me and you. And we see these women in Jesus' genealogy, some amazing women of faith, but... Man, they got some sketchy stories. Uh, there, there's some amazing, scandalous stuff uh, that got their way into the story. Uh, but that's the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And I want to start by just publicly proclaiming something. Wes Corman almost ruined my life. Wes Corman really almost kept my life from happening. Well, the reason is that Wes Corman was engaged to my mom. And engaged to my mom, and, and they ran the, in the newspaper of the uh, great blessed event that was coming up, that she's getting married, and here is the date. Uh, on the very date that it ran in the newspaper, a guy named Bill Jakes goes back to his high school sweetheart. They actually happened to meet at a friend's house who recently had a baby. And there they are, face-to-face, -face, a former high school sweethearts. Now he's finishing up college, and here he sees Marjorie Blakeman with a big diamond ring from Wes Corman, a pilot. And they realize oh, there was still a spark. That my mom and dad would realize that they were meant to be. Wes Corman got the boot and thanked the Lord. Because I think about Wes Corman, he almost messed up my entire life. My sister Allison, well, she wouldn't be here. I mean, my sister, bro, my brother Billy, he's gone, right? I wouldn't be here. And Katie wouldn't have all this. <laughs> I'm not sure what you said. But, <laughs> but the reality is, is there'd be no Jesse Jakes Fleming. Uh, there would be no J.P. Jakes Jr. There would be no Caleb Ward Jakes. There would be no Allison Blakeman Jakes. My grandchildren wouldn't be alive. They wouldn't exist. Oh, wow. I mean, just think if one little turn of event happened, how incredibly different things would have turned out. A guy named Adjaniah, he was actually one of David's sons. He almost ruined Christmas for all of us. Not only did he almost ruin Christmas, he almost in completely messed up God's entire plan of redemptive history. What in the world could Adjaniah do that could mess everything up so badly? Well, he set himself up as king. You never want to set yourself up as king. You want God to be the one who does that. But Adjaniah says, man, Pops is getting really old, and now's my move. And so he is in a stealth way going to get some power next to him, and he's going to set himself up as king. He wants to succeed David on the throne. And all of a sudden, David, in the entire course of history, is going to kind of hold its breath. 
We're going to kind of wonder what's going to happen. God's promises seem to be on pause. Didn't God promise Solomon? Didn't he say that that's the one that's supposed to sit on the, on the throne? Everything seems to be in peril. But Bathsheba, or Uriah's wife, she rescues the day. She rescues the day in a story, again, that's like, you're going to love the story. You're going to say, I want to read this this year, because the stories like this are in the Bible. She rescues the day. Well, you know, all of our lives have this endless stream of events, do they not, that kind of somehow randomly fit together that we call our lives, right? I mean, they seem to be like random events that just kind of seemingly happen. Uh, Maybe some of us will say it's just kind of dumb luck. I mean, how did you find your spouse? I mean, well, how did you stumble upon maybe a job? What are these things that have happened in your life that seem so daggum random? But as you read through Scripture, you realize in God's economy, nothing is random. That God's hand is over everything. It's involved in everything. Again, we make countless decisions every day. Some things as small as like, what are you going to have for breakfast? What cereal are you going to have? Are you going to eat well today or no? Which way are you going to go to work? What are you going to wear? Each day you're going to make countless decisions, and there's going to be consequences for those decisions. And by the way, you make those decisions freely. It's not like we're like marionettes. Is that what you call those things? What do you call those... Uh, You know, I mean, God is in control, but we make decisions, do we not? But yet, even as we do, God's plan unfolds. I mean, it's incredible. God's got a plan that he did before time. We're in the midst of time, living and making decisions, and yet they somehow, only that God can do are in sync. You and I making, like, decisions left and right. Do I run this red light? Do I stop? I mean, all these things, and yet God's hand is over all of them. Scripture will reveal to us God is something called sovereign. That's what will remind us that as a powerful God, there's not one atom outside of his control. Hit pause. If there were one rebellious atom outside of his control, he's not almighty God. We got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. If there's something outside of God's control, whoa, we can't trust anything. But God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. Even when trees fall, and the power goes out. So Friday, I'm at my computer, and man, is the Holy Spirit working. It is, it is. I'm putting together like a Christmas Eve service you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's, it's coming. I'm loving it. Uh, I'm working on my computer. My computer's been limping lately, you know? Uh, someone told me that my battery in my computer was swollen. How's that happen? And it was got some, got some things going on here. But I, I mean, I'm telling you, it was one of those moments, I'm sure you've had them in your job sometimes, where you're just like, okay, I got it. I'm going. All of a sudden, lights flicker. Lights flicker. Lights flicker. No power. Why? It's a beautiful day out. Well, you find out that down the street, some daggum tree falls over. Falls over. Karen was out of power. I'm out of power. And I'm telling you, if Christmas Eve stinks, you should have heard what I wrote on Friday, right? I mean, so there it is. I'm thinking, oh, dang. It's going to be gone. I mean, it's, it's gone. I haven't backed up my computer in a little a couple of weeks. Ah, it's going to be gone. So that's okay. Three hours later, the power comes on. I, I run back up. Is it recovered? You know, sometimes they do this like a miraculous, do you want to save this? You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Where did this come from? But yes, and my computer wouldn't turn on. It was in that endless cycle of, I have a, of a, a Mac. Bing! It start going and loading up and... Mm, Bing! <laughs> like, oh, Lord, please. 
What in the world? Come on, it's Friday. Sunday's coming. It's like Christmas time. I can't afford not having a computer. But God is in control of all things, even when you feel like you've lost. How many of y'all have had a computer crash and you've lost stuff? Great feeling, isn't it? Jeez, those computers. They're of the devil. I swear 666 must be on those things. I'm not sure. But anyway, listen, this Advent sermon series, we've been looking at God's hand as it unfolds his redemptive historical plan. And we've been looking at it through five women listed in Jesus' genealogy. It's in this Gospel of Matthew. And this morning, we're going to look at a woman by the name of Bathsheba. She doesn't even have a name given to her in this genealogy. She's just known as Uriah's wife. But here's what I want to tell you about Bathsheba. Bathsheba rescues, absolutely rescues, God's succession plan uh, for David's throne. I mean, she's amazing. Bathsheba rescues God's succession plan to David's throne. And here's what we also see, that sinners are not disqualified from God's story. Hit me, hit pause. You want to hear this. Sinners are not disqualified from God's story. But what you also need to hear is that sinners are not disqualified from God's family. So let's look at two passages of Scripture. I promise you, you're going to be thinking, oh my goodness, man, if we got the deep tracks into God's Word, wait till you hear the story of 1 Kings. I could hardly wait to tell you. All right, so we're going to start with the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew thought it was a good idea to list a bunch of names to start off with, but it tells us a story, and it connects Jesus to a bigger story in God's promises. Matthew 1, we just sang it. Uh, Matthew 1, I'm going to read through 1 through 6. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Yeah, that song's in my head right now. And and Isaac, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. We looked at her. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram, the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of Solomon. And Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. We've looked at that story. Incredible. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. That was just last week. What an incredible story. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, or as we sang, by dead Uriah's wife. Hmm. You guys remember David? We preached on that. You heard the story. It's still online if you want to hear it again. Let's turn to 1 Kings. 1 Kings 1. You got to hear this. It's unbelievable. Now, King David was old and advanced in the years, and although they covered him with clothes, cloths, clothes, he could not keep warm. Therefore, his servant said to him, Let a young woman be brought for my lord the king, and let her wait on the king, be in his service, and let her lie in your arms that my lord the king may get warm. Hit pause. Did a male come up with that idea or a female come up with that idea? You got to know that. that's Hey, here's a good idea. We can't get the king warm. He's freezing to death. Let's go find a young woman to have a lie in his arms. So they sought a beautiful young woman throughout All the territory of Israel. Now hit pause. I think an overweight middle-aged woman would work. But no, they're going to go look for a beautiful young woman throughout all the territory of Israel. And Abishag, the Shumonite, uh, and brought her to the king. By the way, Abishag in the Hebrew means electric blanket. 
So, <laughs> it means daughter of a wanderer, or maybe even daughter of a loser. Interesting. The young woman was very beautiful, and she was of service to the king and attended him, but the king knew her not. I remember in seminary studying this, and the professor saying, you know what they're saying. Well, yeah, knew her not. King's old, he's impotent, he's, he needs to be replaced. Wow. Now, Ajaniah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, you never want to exalt yourself, saying, I'll be king, and he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Now, let me see this. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking him, why have you done thus and so? Now, again, hit pause. I'm not going to preach on this. But parents, discipline your kids. It's a God-given thing. It's a scriptural thing. It's a biblical thing. If you don't, they start exalting themselves as king. Every child who's not disciplined thinks that they're the center of the daggum universe. And here's Ajaniah, never been disciplined by David, and he thinks, okay, it's a good idea, I'll be king. That's crazy. Well, let's keep going. He was also a very handsome man. He was born next to Absalom, who was another really handsome man, Scripture says. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah. Now, Joab was the commander of David's army, so this is the top general. And with Abathar, the priest, and they followed Ajaniah and helped him. But Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shami, and Rei, and David's mighty men were not with Ajani. Ajani sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fattened cattle by the serpent stone, which is beside Enrogel. And he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. He set himself up as king. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Benaniah, or the mighty men, or Solomon, his brother. Then Nathan, again the prophet, said to Bathsheba, by the way, Nathan the prophet's the one who told David after the Bathsheba affair, you're the man. It's incredible. Here he comes again. Then Nathan said to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, have you not heard that Adoniah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord doesn't even know it? Now therefore, come, let me give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Now hit pause. If Adoniah becomes king, Bathsheba's dead, Solomon's dead, a king's going to clear out his way for the throne. Go in at once to David and say to him, Did you not, my lord the king, swear to your servant, saying, Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then is Adjaniah king? Then while you're still speaking with the king, I'll also come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba, listen to this, so Bathsheba went to the king in his chamber, and by the way, now the king was very old, and Abishag, the Shumanite, was attending to the king. How awkward is that for Bathsheba? Hmm, there, there, there's a pleasant thought. Bathsheba bowed and paid homage to the king, and the king said, What do you desire? She said to him, My lord, you swore to your servant by the Lord your God, saying, Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. And now behold, Adjaniah is king, although my lord the king, though you don't even know it, He's sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance, and he's invited all the sons of the king, Abathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon, your servant, he's not been invited. And now, my lord the king, the eyes of all of Israel are on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. 
Otherwise, it will come to pass when my Lord the King sleeps with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted offenders and dead. While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet came in and he told the king, here is Nathan the prophet. It was told the king, here's Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, my Lord the king, have you said, Adjaniah shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne. For he has gone down this day and has sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the king's son, the commander of the army, and Abathar the priest. And behold, they are eating and drinking before him, and saying, Long live King Adjaniah. But me, your servant, and Zodak the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoda, uh, your servant Solomon, he has not invited. Has this thing been brought about by my lord the king? And have you not told your servants... Who should sit on your throne of my lord the king after him? Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so, I will do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed, down, bowed with her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my lord, King David, live forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word doesn't sugarcoat your stories. And we thank you, Lord, that your promises will always come true. And no matter who tries to set themselves up as king, your king will prevail. And God, you've allowed some kings to sit on some thrones that we don't understand. But God, you're a God who is in control of all things. And you're a God who is able to bring good. And God, for your glory, all things. So God, would you come and would you join us in a powerful way today, God? Would you, would you be the teacher? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Oh, Lord, give us ears to hear your voice. And God, please give us minds that understand your word. And God, give us hearts that would embrace your truth. And oh, Lord, give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that I say that are just my opinion are wrong, let them just fall away and be erased. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel that produces great joy. Oh, God, use those things to make all of us more like the ultimate king, the king of kings and lord of lord Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. Well, it's interesting, really, what happens here is that as you read through the genealogy, Matthew himself, I think Charlie said, kind of throws a shadow, a bit of a sh shade on Bathsheba. I mean, she, her name's not listed. You know, her name's not listed in the genealogy. She's only known as Uriah's wife. Wow. So we know the story of Bathsheba. Uh, we know that we've, we've, I preached on that when I preached through David a couple of months ago. Let me just quickly remind you, it was in the springtime when kings usually went to war. David was lazy. He stayed home. And one night he was walking around his palace and he sees a woman bathing. And man, she was one look, fine looking woman. And so he inquired about her. Whoa, hey, who's that woman over there? And, you know, his servants immediately try to throw up some red lights and say, no, this is so-and-so's daughter. And by the way, this is Uriah the Hittite's wife. 
AKA, hands off. Don't do this. By the way, he's one of your men. He's out fighting for you. But David's lust overcame him. David became that peeping Tom that needed to be satisfied. So he calls for Bathsheba. She comes. They sleep together. Sin has consequences. She gets pregnant. Word gets back to David. Uh oh, I'm pregnant. David says, Ah, got an idea. We'll bring Uriah back from the fighting. He'll certainly want to go and be comforted by his wife. So he brings him back. Little small talk. Hey, Uriah, how's it going on the battlefield? Why don't you go down to your wife? He's like, no, 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 man, we got the Ark of the Lord out there. You know, my, the men are out there. There's no way I'm going to go home and find pleasure with my wife. He stays there. David's like, oof. All right, I'll get him drunk. The next night, gets him all drunk, all sauced up. Now he's going to go down and see his wife. But no, even as a drunk, Uriah the Hittite's more noble than David. And so David's got a problem. He's got Uriah the Hittite's wife pregnant. Clearly he wasn't the one who did it. He was off at battle. It's going to be bad for David. So what does David do? Hmm. I'll write a little note, give it to that Joab guy. He was mentioned. He lined himself up with Adjaniah. I'll give it to Joab. I'll give it to Uriah to carry back to the commander. Says, oh, by the way, when things get tough, make sure Uriah's out in front. Pull back from him. Make sure gone. He does it. And how far David has fallen. Sin has a way of just crusting over our hearts. And it took Nathan the prophet to go and tell him a story and say, by the way, you're that man who's that sinner. And David breaks down and repents. It's an amazing story. But listen, David's story was never the same. Never the same. There were consequences. Oh, God used him, and there was forgiveness. But let me tell you, his story was never the same. As a matter of fact, when it happened, Nathan said, let me tell you, the sword will never leave your family. And it didn't. We see it even here. And even Bathsheba, it was never the same. But Bathsheba rescues God's succession plan to David's throne. That's what she did. It was beautiful. It was, it was courageous what she did. Did you see it? I mean, here Adjaniah sets himself up as king. Here Adjaniah, he gets the political power, right? He gets the army guy there. He gets a little bit of religious help. He gets a priest there. He's like, well, you get this. He gets some 50 guys to run in front of him. They're all saying, Adjaniah, be the king. And here you have Bathsheba having to awkwardly go into the king's presence when Abishag, this beautiful young woman, lying in his arms, trying to keep him warm and say, oh, by the way, David, uh, wasn't there a, a, an agreement that we swore upon? Didn't you promise something different here. Bathsheba reminds David of, 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 of his promises to God. Again, I want you to put yourself for just a moment in, in Bathsheba's sandals. How awkward would it be for her? How awkward? I mean, that, that's uh, choosing courage over comfort. You know, that, that, that's, that's when you just, you know, oh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to walk in. I'm going to walk in. I'm not invited. I'm going to go talk to David, and there I'm going to see Abishag, and I can't imagine that made her feel very good. Uh, there she is. But she does it. You know, and I love the fact that God's word didn't clean up the story, did it? It told us, again, it tells us about our lives, our brokenness. But Bathsheba risks her life to tell David that Solomon is supposed to be king. I mean, we, God spoke. You're missing out. And she rescues the plan. Now, again, hit pause. I mean, it's one of those small little things. If she didn't go, and, and Adjaniah, king, I mean, redemptive history goes a whole different way. I mean, we don't know Solomon. We don't know the wisest king. We don't, we don't know his story. And, and here, that, that, that line of connection all the way to Jesus. I mean, again, it's a small little thing. It's a big, huge thing. But it just is a part of God's plan. So Bathsheba steps in. The hero of her is that faith of her that steps in and rescues the plan. I mean, in, in a way. So, you know, when we think about what has been happening here, 
Um, it's just absolutely amazing of these women. You have Tamar, who rescued the seed. Remember, um, the genealogy says that Jesus is connected to son of Abraham and son of David. Now, these are two huge pillars in the Old Testament, okay? And Jesus is linked to Abraham and David because of, really, it's because of the promises of God. Because God promised Abraham, he said this, I promise that through you, Abraham, uh, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with a seed that's going to be a blessing to all nations. Through you, Abraham, I'm, I'm going to provide a land. So Abraham gets a God-sized covenant or blessing of a seed to come and a land of promise. And then with David, to David he says, through your line, David, you're going to have a king that's going to sit on the throne that's going to come from your own body. And his kingdom will last forever. So when Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing the genealogy, he, he knows he wants to link us to God's promises. And he wants us to link us to these two pillars. But with that, let me just again say, Tamar, that we looked at first week, she saves the day because she rescues God's promised seed. Now she dressed up as a prostitute to do it, and she slept with her father-in-law, pretty darn inky. Weird story, but that promised seed, God's hand, is fulfilled. Interesting. Doesn't clean up the story. Then you get Rahab. She is a Canaanite prostitute, an absolute ground zero of God's promised land. Well, through her faith in, in Yahweh, Rahab opens the front door, basically, to God's promised land. It's amazing. Then you have Ruth. Ruth is Moabite. I told you about last week. Moabite blood was icky. I mean, it's a weird story with Lot and his, his daughters. I mean, they, they, they had a terrible God that they sacrificed children to. And here you have Ruth who has faith in Yahweh, the Lord. And she really uh, paves the way for God's promised king, that David's going to have Moabite blood, but it's okay. Then you have Bathsheba who's going to rescue the succession plan, and oh, how she does it, and she does it in an absolute incredible way. So what do we see in this reality? The second thing is that sinners are not disqualified from God's story. You've got to realize that. Hit pause. Let, 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 listen, as your pastor, let that sink in. Sinners are not disqualified from God's story. We're all sinners, right? And so I, I was with one of our elders recently. I asked him, was Bathsheba a sinner? I mean, in today's day and culture, you know, she would probably get a pass. I mean, they would say, you know, I mean, God, you know, what do you do? I mean, her husband's off at war. The king calls. The king? I mean, what is she supposed to do? You know, I mean, I mean is she supposed to say no to King David? Uh, so, but you know, you realize it always takes two to tangle. And Bathsheba, she was like you and me. She certainly was a sinner. And it has consequences. It had consequences for David's life, and it had consequences for her life. Sin terribly affected David's family. This is a man after God's own heart. Nathan says, hey, listen, David, God's going to forgive you. It's going to be amazing. But the sword will never leave your household. You're, 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 you're going to experience pain because of sin. Listen, with us here li li listen god calls us to live a holy life god cares about the way you're living and the way i'm living and he tells us to be righteous why it begins because god is holy and he wants us to reflect him but living a holy righteous life is avoiding so much pain what what the world will say this is good for you eat it this is good for you. Embrace it. This is good for you. Pursue it. 
And when God says, no, pursue me first, and all these things will be added unto you. If, if, if you think you're going to find what you're looking through through the internet, through, through materialism, through another relationship, God is saying, listen, that sin is it's going to cost you. Now, here's the thing. For Christians, it will not cost our salvation. Once we are his, he'll never let us go. He's not going to get to the point where he gives up on us and says, oh, I'm done. If we're his, we get home. But I tell you what, if we don't live a holy life, we accumulate scars. And we accumulate some, some, some emptiness and some regret. Can it be forgiven? Yes. But consequences. So most people think about living a holy life. Ah, oh, God, man, he's, he's a killjoy. No, he's not. He's the opposite. God wants to bless you. And we put ourselves in places that God can't bless. We put ourselves in relationships that God can't bless. If you're married and you think it's okay to leave your spouse to find somebody else, he can't, can't. If you, if you feel like, you know, you're going to try to steal because you deserve it, I mean, he, don't put yourself in places he can't bless. Now, we live in a day and age where our culture has completely changed gender. What does it mean? Completely changed marriage. What does it mean? And, you know, a lot of people look at the church and say, you're, you're, you don't call love love. You're so judgmental. Um, and I'm telling you, the most loving thing I believe we could do as Christians, and especially a pastor, is tell people the truth. That God is a God who made male and female. God is a God who made marriage. And yes, we all have friends and family members that are struggling. We get it. But God tells us the most loving thing is have the truth. And that, that's where we are. And it doesn't make us popular. It doesn't make it easy. But I'm telling you, sin has consequences. And because he's a good, loving father, he says, stop it. And he says, live this way so you can be in the crosshair of my blessing. And you listen, we're the sheep that are prone to wander. And we're going to mess it up. And we're going to need to come back and say, clean me up again. But again, as your pastor, more importantly, is the God who loves you. He cares about the way you live because he wants to pour blessing upon you. And if we get ourselves out of accord with his word, when we get ourselves out of accord with his will, and we start living a life of deceit, it's got consequences. Always will. The sword never left his home. But by God's amazing grace, David is forgiven. And remember, all you're missing is a heartache. And then lastly, God graciously uses sinners to fulfill his plan. Uh, it's so good to know that Bathsheba, you know, he uses sinners. It's a great mystery. Listen, we've all made bad decisions, and we've all messed up, and there's been consequences. But watch this. God's plan still unfolds. So, so if you're here right now, and you're thinking, ah, oh, crud. Man, I went off the rails here. And look at what happened. Oh, man, look at, look at this. Listen, He's not a God of guilt. He's not a God who wants to beat you over your head. He's a God who says, yeah, I take broken sinners who made bad decisions, and you know what? My plan's going to unfold, and it's going to be good. It's going to be incredible. Only he can do it. So don't you let Satan do what he loves to do, whisper in your ear and tell you you're defeated, telling you you're undeserving. Don't do it. God's grace is even greater. But God's plan will still unfold. Sinners are not disqualified from God's family. Did you hear that? Sinners are not disqualified from God's family. Bathsheba is adopted into God's family. Isn't it amazing? Rahab is only known as Rahab the harlot. We have, we have Bathsheba. She's known as Uriah the Hittite's wife. You know what she's known as to God? My child. My beloved. By God's grace through faith, Bathsheba will spend eternity not known as somebody else's. 
other than the Lord's. She's more than just Uriah's wife. She's more than King David's wife. She's a child of King Jesus. So are you in Christ Jesus. So are you. So what's your wife going to tell you? What's, what's your trajectory going to tell you? What's, what's your heritage going to tell you? You know, what, what about the brokenness? You're not going to let the brokenness define you, are you? You're not going to let the sin define you, are you? What, what does the world call you? Listen, the only one who matters who calls you is God. And what he calls you in Christ Jesus is beloved and his and adopted. Live in light of that truth. Tell Satan, get the heck out of your face. Tell all the lies that tell you something different, don't listen to them. May we live our lives adopted into God's family. He happens to love sinners. Try to figure that out. God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we're still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. Why? So we can be forgiven and free. Why? So we can be adopted. Why? So we can be called beloved. It doesn't get better than that. Amen? Pray. Father God, thank you for Bathsheba's story. It's, it's, it's another one of your stories. It's like, oh my goodness, it's, it's crazy. It's scandalous. It's sinfully wrong in so many ways. King David, what a maroon, what a moron. How did he mess it up so bad? But God, your grace was greater than his sin. God, your plan still unfolded. And Lord, Solomon still went on the throne. You used Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, to step in when things were about ready to go off the rails, when Ajaniah was setting himself up as king, said, uh-uh, this can't happen. God's got a plan. And God, it wasn't about Bathsheba ultimately. It was about you. And God, the same is true of us. We've made a mess of things. We've made bad decisions. We've lived with the consequences of that. But we're not disqualified from your plan. We are not disqualified from your love. And oh, the grace of God, we are not disqualified from your because Jesus came to save sinners, and who I am chief. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.